get close to God. And, and also later on, then he had, that's where he had that wrestle with the angel and he, he got his name changed to Israel. His, he received his new name, got his endowment. They said that the Bethel is a place was like the temple, like we know our temples. That's what uh, Bethel was to people. The fact the name of it means house, house of God in in Hebrew. Yeah. yeah, there's there's lots of interesting things that play out temple wise. Uh, with Bethel throughout all of the Israelite history and then even um, as a type and shadow kind of for our day that um, they they do set up uh, Baal worship in Bethel and that's what kind of leads to their uh, destruction uh, their captivity and things is when they defile the temple there in, in Bethel very interesting stuff there um so yeah, Shechem. Shechem is a, a huge one. I, I love studying about it. There's, uh, that's the more common one that we they know of where uh, uh, in Samaria, that's where the, the woman at the well uh, during Christ's time is at, uh, which is Jacob's well uh, anciently. And um, anyway, everywhere Abraham goes throughout this kind of tour of the, the promised land, he's building altars and, and setting up sacred holy places. And, and this one, um, right in, in, the, in the crux of Mount Gerizim and Ebal, is an uh, interesting crossroads of um, all of the Abrahamic covenant. Everything kind of boils down to, to these two places, uh, almost more primarily Shechem. Um, if you had to kind of distinguish the two, uh, one is kind of the political versus the ecclesiastical part of the Abrahamic covenant. Um, and yeah, we, we see lots of different things uh, happening here with uh, Joseph's bones, with um, the Jacob's well, the Samaritan woman, and um, where uh, Simon and Levi go to avenge their uh, sister Dinah's um, uh, I don't even know what, what you say there. Um, anyway, where they, they go to a, a venture and they, they circumcise all the, the city and then they go and kill them all <laughs> after that. So there, there's lots of stuff, covenantal things happening in Shechem. Um, Cameron, they, yeah, for sure. Um, I just was had a thought as we as I had studied that you know, it just seemed like in those days they didn't travel too much because the mode of travel was by walking. Yeah. And I just wondered if the purpose for a lot of his traveling was to try and do some missionary work. Mm -hmm. I, it was just a thought that I had when I was reading about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot of missionary work that, that's happening in each of these places. And he's like a, this great example where he always uh, pitches his tent in the most prominent place so that he can always uh, greet people and, and go out of his way to um, be seen and not just kind of hide away and, and kind of be a hermit kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um. All right, sorry, lost my place and I was responding to somebody else really quick. Um, all right, so diving into the story of Lot and everything, uh, there's some fun things here that we um, learn about the character of Lot. I always kind of grew up thinking that Lot was just a bad guy and he was just kind of lazy and, uh, you know, just kind of the tag along uh, to Abraham. But in in reality, here he is as um, set up as kind of a prophet to uh, the, the sodomites and, and things. He was a, a, a good guy. Uh, it it kind of came down to the fact that their shepherds weren't getting along. And so their, uh, the, the humility and the uh, insight of Abraham and Lot to, in order to, to separate and maintain good terms and um, and do all of that was was very insightful. As I was reading through this, I, I found that interesting perspective, a new light um, 
shed on on lot that I hadn't previously considered. Um, any thoughts and, and comments about this story prior to uh, his capture um, that you want to discuss and, and, and talk about? Well, I thought it was really interesting, the insights we got into Abraham's character in this. You know, when their shepherds got into a, a you know, a tat, a spat, whatever, um, and they decided we're going to split up. Abraham is the one who had been given the land. But what did he do? He said to Lot, you pick whichever one you want. I'll take the other one. It doesn't matter. You go east, I'll go west. You go north, I'll go south. You go south, I'll go north. I, I don't care. You pick. Mm -hmm. and, and it was all his land and he he was making lot an heir a joint heir with himself now who else do we know that makes us a joint heir with him yeah. christ right and so here is abraham being an example of christ in how he's dealing with lot and we can learn a lot from that and i really liked the quote virtue humbles itself whereas wickedness becomes arrogant and i just ran across that in an online another online forum i was in where somebody was asking questions and and they're like this is what i believe and, and somebody got really mad at him like these are my credentials and I, I know this and this and this and this and this and you ought to be listening to me go away you you know with your anti-church stuff and I'm like nothing they were saying was anti but who was getting arrogant who was who was all puffed up the learned one right the one that had their credentials and 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 that same day I read this line and I was like whoa you know and it really helped to solidify what I was seeing but um Abraham um, truly had charity. He sought not his own. You know, we hear that all the time. Charity seeketh not his own. What does it mean? It's not selfish. It's not, I got to make sure I get what I'm going to get. And then I'll share with everybody else. It's mm -hmm. let me share with everybody. And then the Lord will take care of me with whatever I have left. And the Lord totally did, right? He gave him more land, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, wow, he just set, is such an example to us. And I'm just so sad that we don't have most of this in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a, a lot to, um, I, I'm so grateful for, for E. Douglas Clark to compile all of these things together to, you know, it would take forever to study all of this out. It's a whole life's mission here, just uh, looking at the, the life of Abraham in all of these different texts and things. But, but here it kind of comes together and points out the patterns and similitudes and, and things. It's very handy, and, and I just love that. Um, so, yeah, uh, going forward to when he does receive more land from the Lord, I find that there's a lot of interesting parallels here to... Um, uh, the Abrahamic covenant that we don't necessarily associate um, uh, with the going up on the mountain and getting a vista of, of the land and then the, the walk of the perimeter. Uh, talking with a, a lady here locally, we were talking about end days and tent cities and, and things like that this last week in our class. And um, uh, she said that she had read it uh, from somewhere that it was actually an ordinance to walk the perimeter, that that is a, an ordinance of protection and um, almost a, a invisibility. That's the wrong word. That's not the word she used, but um, that it's that it's a protection to, to walk the perimeter and to um, uh, receive, really solidify the Abrahamic blessing upon that piece of land kind of a thing. And I found that a very interesting principle as we're actually reading that here in, in Abraham this week, we were talking about Daniel and tent cities and, and here it, it's played out in Abraham and we find out kind of the, why the Lord does that um, through that Abrahamic covenant there. We see the threefold uh, promise of the Abrahamic covenant so clearly in this chapter. I, I love it, the, the priesthood, posterity and, and promised land. Um, but yeah, um, that he was taken up to a, a, a good vista of the land and then told to walk around it. Uh, that must have been very humbling for, for him as he's going around and seeing all of these um, other inhabitants of the place, but yet he is the one that is actually given the, um, 
the, the land. Um, it, it's not that they're rooted out uh, uh, yet or, or necessarily, but um, that he is, is made as a uh, patriarchal heir of, of that piece of ground and the inhabitants thereon. And how he lived and interacted with them is just amazing. But Cameron, I think something important there, um, when I was reading that, I thought he had a lot of servants. He had a lot of trained men. Had he been a different man, he could have rooted those people out. Mm -hmm. He could have taken possession of the land and said, hey, God gave that to me and this is it. But he wasn't that kind of a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, looking forward to our modern day, you know, like uh, of, the, of the restoration, not modern day. Um, but with the saints in Missouri and, and sometimes their attitudes weren't as Abrahamic-like in the inhabitants that were um, there and their neighbors and, and things, they had a different kind of take on building Zion than, than Abraham had here in, in the land of Canaan. And uh, what kind of lessons does that lead for us as we are building Zion? Um, first with, with tent cities, cities of light, and then eventually the, the actual city of Zion. Uh, I think those are very interesting tidbits and, and, and things to learn the patterns that, that unfold here in the Abraham story. And he was so generous with everyone, Cameron, right? He yeah. was so generous with the people around him, whether they believed what he believed or not. Yeah. He was willing to share with anybody, opened his tent door and had hospitality for everyone. He was willing to give away whatever. Um, you know, I, I underlined this part that says God's greatest land grant to Abraham came as a reward for Abraham's magnanimity with the land God had already given him. And, you know, when we are generous with what the Lord has given us, without worrying about, am I going to have enough? You know, I hear this a lot with food storage, right? I'm going to save all my food storage and, you know, I've got to defend my house and I have to defend my food storage. I have to defend what I have because somebody's going to come and take it. But if we are willing to be generous with what the Lord has blessed us with, he will give us more again than what we share. And just like he did with Abraham. And I think that's a great lesson. And that can be with anything that we have, Right. Um, as, as Scott said, uh, today in his testimony, you know, that if we trust in the Lord to take care of us in everything that we do, right. Then we have no fear. We don't care if we give everything away because the Lord is going to take care of us and giving it all back mm -hmm. or, and then some, right. And I think that's what Abraham did. That's his attitude. That's how he lived is, the Lord has given me everything all my life. He's taken care of me. I totally trust in the Lord. I will go wherever he says. I will do whatever he does. If he tells me to give everything away, I'll do it. I'll do that even if he doesn't tell me. And then the Lord says, blessed art thou, let me give you more. <laughs> yep. But in our day-to-day, -day, that is so hard, right? Yeah. We're so ingrained with the, I got to make sure I have mine right? Even in the church, it's, you got to take care of yourself first. You got to do all these things first. You have to do all this, 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 and this, check all these boxes first. And, oh. it, and it makes people think I got to take care of mine and, and, and I'm not giving that away before I can get to the point where I can give anything away. Right. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I think that's where that attitude comes that I hear from people of, well, if I'm going to go through all this work to get my food storage, I've got to be able to defend it. I'm not sharing with those people who, you know, I'm not going to be the ant and then the grasshopper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I see that principle play out in lots of different ways of uh, where you got to start and their, their intentions are good. You know, you got to start and get yourself good first and then you can go um, and, and share and radiate out kind of thing. But uh, a lot of times the, the principle in the gospel is that you have to first be served and then you can uh, then uh, uh, grow out and, and things. It's very interesting how, how that works. But um, uh, along that line, that it's very much like the principle of tithing on, um, oh, where did I put that? Scott, Scott was just saying a lot of people wanna give, build up their stuff and then give away the surplus. But yeah. what's hard is giving away before you have the surplus. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think that's where the, the, the concept of tithing really helps, right? Because it teaches us to give some away when we still have needs and the wants of our own, right? Exactly. Instead of waiting until we have everything that we could need or want, and then sure, I can share. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a, that's the reason we have tithing is we have to learn that principle. Mm-hmm. To give away when we still need ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And that um, it, it talked about here that the the principle of tithing was what actually sanctified the land. I thought that that was very interesting. Oh, there it is, right on page one thirty nine. Um, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do cut themselves. I have it written out to the side, but where is it out on the page? Just a second. Do, do, do. Um, Oh, right there at the very top. By this principle, it shall be seen that uh, whose hearts are set on doing the will of God and keeping his commandments, thereby sanctifying the land. And then the, the first part of the next section, by his tithing, Abraham was sanctifying the land. Um, and, and so I think that that's an interesting uh, principle. You know, what's, how do we give tithing? We're supposed to give the, the first part of it, right? The first tenth before all of the other bills are paid kind of thing uh if you wait till the end sometimes there's there's not enough to pay the tithing kind of thing so always do it first and and that's the way that um uh, the land starts getting sanctified Uh, i I find that a very interesting principle that's learned throughout this chapter um and then kind of springboarding off of this uh uh, the character of abraham and, and all of that um on page 130 about midway down um, this phrase or the sentence really stood out to me this week. And this is uh, kind of my, um, uh, how I let God prevail in my life kind of thing. This really changed my life, this perspective here. It says, the lesson is remembered to this day in Judaism. If the poor do not come to your house, you are obligated to seek them and bring them into your home for this is what Abraham did. And I was like, oh man, I don't do that at all. Like <laughs> I'm a, a very... Uh, not introverted, but like I'm, I'm a secluded kind of hermit kind of a person, you know, I don't uh, go out and, and do that. But um, the fact that I really need to step outside of myself, quit being myopic, and really bring other people into some of the blessings that God has given me kind of thing. Um, uh, one story that uh, really hit me strong this week, and I don't think it's coincidence, it fits right in with this. I was listening to an education week class um, by uh, Brother Price, I, I believe his name is, and uh, it's talking about family history work. At uh, last year's Roots Tech, the, um, one of his friends had the prompting to go out on the street uh, and invite this homeless man in to the, the leadership training meeting. Uh, with Elder Bednar and, and those that were there uh, training. And one of the exercises that they did was, okay, talk to your neighbor and pull out your phone and, and find out uh, their family history and uh, pull up their parents and et cetera on, on family search. And this homeless man was um, connecting and, and finding uh, his parents. Uh, the information was already put on there and everything. And he was able to connect with a brother, uh, a living brother that uh, he hadn't connected with. And uh, just the the bounteous blessings that flowed from this invitation to go out to the poor and needy, invite them in. I mean, it's not that hard, but it's just something that, you know, isn't necessarily second nature to us. You know, if I go to a class, I'm I'm there for me. I, I'm not necessarily going out on the street and going, hey, you want to come in <laughs> and, and join in this class with me? It's It's just not my nature, but yet it needs to be. Um, anything that um, we're wanting, we're needing, we're uh, desiring um, to, to share those, those bounteous blessings with others around us, especially the poor and needy. And this sentence, that if the poor do not come to your house, you know, Abraham was set up on a crossroads where, I mean, he made sure that he was at a good place where the poor could come to his house. But if they don't, you're obligated to go seek them and bring them into your home. I, I found that kind of a game changer for me this week as I was um, seeking to to let God prevail. Have I full on acted on it? No, this is what this next week's goal is for me to to really start implementing this and, and growing in this aspect of Abraham's character. I, I mean, like I love people, but I'm 
I'm very still introverted. It, I, you know, I live in a town of like 200 people. We're, we're pretty small and there's not homeless people here or anything, but uh, reaching out and um, leading or, or letting the spirit guide me to those that, that are poor in spirit or, or whatever kind of thing and making sure that they are always welcome and invited and they're my first thought not just an afterthought kind of a thing i think that that's a huge principle that that changed my life through through reading this book this time um i, I just love abraham's example and and how much it teaches us I, i'm so grateful for his example um along with all of our other prophets and the savior and everything but abraham really is the example of a friend that um that we all need to uh, strive to, to become and, and develop those qualities of chesed in our, in our life. I just love it. I love this chapter on that. Um, I was thinking as you was talking about Missouri and stuff, they were truly thought they were going to build Zion, you know, and, but they weren't ready. That's why it didn't work the first time. I used to wonder, well, why, why did the Lord have them you know go there and it failed but it is because of this principle right here but you have some comments in the chat oh sorry always the worst at looking at the chats um hedge of protection oh yeah when we were talking about the the perimeter walk and things yes that's, that's a great term i'm gonna be looking that one up uh, i think that that's what cheryl used when she was talking about it too wasn't it mom uh, i think it was i think i think it was um yeah, so uh, first, first fruits, the best when we're giving tithing word. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's very much a similitude of, of the Savior. It's the first fruits, the, the very best without blemish, the, the things that are untarnished there. Love that. Um, so yeah, diving into the coalition of kings and the warfare and things. I think that there are so many applicable uh, patterns and comparisons and insights for our day when we're going to be have to face with uh with war and, and different conundrums that that we haven't i mean we've been relatively peaceful for for quite a while here in um in our modern uh lives and um uh, some of those things haven't touched us especially uh, my generation of millennials but um that it's interesting how the lord outlines uh, quite a few principles in this abraham story that are applicable for all days and ages. Um, here where it talks about the requirements uh, for the battle, um, that, that there is no fear and that there's no sin amongst the camp. I think that those are very interesting. And um, if anyone's read the, the Washington Hypothesis by Timothy Ballard, uh, you will see that a lot when it's talking about um, uh, Washington's battles. Uh, he would uh, call upon his troops to to, to repent and, and have uh, confession and, and things so that they could go into these as God-fearing, uh, faithful men. And when the Lord steps up to the plate and blesses those that fulfill these two requirements, the, I mean, the, the blessings are, are huge. And, and there's just, it's beyond description how the Lord really does fight our battles. It's, it's a principle of the Abrahamic covenant specifically that the Lord will fight our battles as we keep the covenant, but um, it it applies with um, not only big battles but our own personal battles with Satan. That when we fill these two requirements, the eternal law has God come and and fight our battles uh, for us. I think that that's a huge uh, a lesson for us as we um, proceed forward in in these last days when. We don't know exactly what's expected of each and every one of us in our personal missions, but um, that those are our requirements moving forward. No fear and no sin. Um, I think that's huge. And, and prayer. He pray, they prayed, yeah. of course, and stuff, but it said that they didn't lose one person in this battle, even though they were outnumbered in a big way made me think of the 2000 stripling warriors it was the same there they uh they were pure and uh sinless and went in there and 
the Lord certainly yeah. helped them. So there were some that were wounded, but they, the, none of their lives were lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. So yeah, I find it interesting that it's kind of an interesting little story. This coalition of kings are just going around, kind of ravishing the places and taking prisoners and things. Um, I wonder what their, their motivation was and stuff behind it. We don't get like the full story, it seems like. But um, the fact that, that Lot and, and those of, of Sodom were uh, kidnapped and, and taken prisoners. Um, very interesting uh, compared to the last days and um, what the, the translated 144,000 are going to be doing, uh, going out and saving those that can't save themselves from the, the bondage and turmoil and wars and, and things that as they go out there, they're called, um, you know, the uh, looking at the, the population of the earth kind of thing, not that 144,000 is to be taken super literally uh, as a symbolic number for sure, but, um, but 144,000 compared to how many people are on earth like it, it's a relatively small number again, but yet with, with God, all things are possible and we're able to, to rescue those that need to flee to, to Zion, but can't do so by themselves. They've been captured. They, they might've been, um, they're just in positions or places that they just can't. And so um, as we rise up and become kings and queens unto the most high God and, and uh, fulfilling our, our personal missions to gather Israel, um, we might be called upon to, to act uh, like our, our father Abraham did and, and take our 318 and, and, and go on rescue missions. Uh, I think that that's uh, very insightful and, and things. We don't know the full story of how Lot was taken and, and we might not know the full story of, of um, those in, in the last days that um, we need to save. It might even be us, who knows? Um, but as we um, go and, and gather Israel, in, in many different ways, even during war. Cameron, um, one thing that really struck me in the book, and I wanted to underline and highlight this, um, it says, this is the law I gave unto Abraham and all my mine ancient prophets and apostles that they should not go out unto battle against any nation, kindred, tongue, or people save I the Lord commanded them and I the Lord would fight their battles. And that's from the Doctrine and Covenants 98. Um, I think that many times, you know, nations seek war, but I think that we need to, uh, we need to live the Lord's law of war. We need to set back wait to be attacked or to be told by the lord to go mm -hmm. because i don't think that that's something we're doing in our day and age yeah we're, yeah. we're very much on the offensive and not yeah. just defense kind of thing yeah and and you know abraham went out thinking he could possibly ransom lot back mm-hmm obviously found out very quickly that oh that's that's not going to work and and uh, and then the lord did fight the battle for him mm -hmm. as he will for us if we listen to what he says yeah yeah for sure and you know uh talking about divine law is, is something huge like ever since uh really studying uh, president nelson's talks and things he he knows divine law and he's encouraging us to, to learn divine laws as well and, and we see those throughout abraham's life and stuff but uh one that i hadn't really thought about but, but you just said it there the, the law of war and what that looks like it don't go unless you're commanded to go kind of thing and when you do if you fulfill these requirements then i will fight your battles for you i, I think that that's huge and, and a divine law um that um, we we need to learn and, and follow it in, the same, in that same section, um, in the verses just before the ones that Elaine um, quoted, starting in verse 23, it, it spells it out a little bit more. Um, if men will smite you or your families once and ye bear it patiently and revile not against them, 
neither seek revenge, ye shall be rewarded. Right? But if you bear it not patiently, it shall be accounted unto you as being meted out as a just measure unto you. In other words, it's, it's just even Stevens if you get back, right? And again, if your enemy shall smite you the second time and you rebound not against your enemy and bear it patiently, your reward shall be an hundredfold. And again, if he shall smite you the third time and you bear it patiently, your reward shall be doubled unto you fourfold. And these three testimonies shall stand against your enemy if he repent not and shall not be blotted out. And then it goes on to say that, you know, if he comes again, then he's in your hands and you can do what you want. And the Lord is going to justify you in whatever it is that you, that you do, you know, the fourth time. Um, but if you bear that patiently, then it will be accounted unto you and to your children and your children's children, even under the fourth generation. And so um, I think that even spells it out even more, right? If we just bear it patiently. And I think that in the times coming, in the times coming, we're going to need to have that in our minds, right? Bear it um, patiently, even if we are justified and we will get the greater reward from the Lord. Yeah, I love that. What verses are those? It starts in verse 23, and it goes down to um, verse 32, which is, behold, this is the law I gave unto my father, the under my servant Nephi and his fathers, which is what was quoted here in the book. Mm-hmm. But it's the verses just before that, starting in verse 23. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a, a, a good study on that, too, uh, with the, the law of war and, and kind of the, the bearing patiently. Yeah, and the, and the doubled unto you fourfold, mm-hmm. you know, think, you know, research some on that, because if you look at the penalties under law, under Jewish law, yeah. you know, the fourfold and doubled and, and the hundredfold, but if you do the math on that, a hundredfold and then doubled four times, that's eight times, <laughs> that, that's a lot. That is a lot, yeah. <laughs> The Lord is very generous. He is so much though. Yeah. All right. So talking about generosity here. Yeah. Um, as the, the traditions of the land, or I don't even know what all that encompasses, but uh, as Abraham does save those people and, and, and uh, brings those, those slaves back, he was entitled to the booty of war and, and to those uh, slaves, those captives um the ransom captives but um he he turns those all back because there on page 135 abraham had made a prior covenant with the lord not to enrich himself with the rescue operation and so abraham's always true to his word and uh you know he, he even if he didn't make that covenant i'm sure abraham would have uh, done the exact same thing um but the the, the loving kindness that, that Abraham has throughout this whole scenario is, is amazing. And it shows um, how greatly the Lord loves him and wants to bless him because of his attitude towards everything. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Lot was there, but I mean, he had to go for more than just Lot too. He was trying to rescue lots of people um, from this, this bondage and servitude that they were uh, going to be placed in. Um, and in, in doing so, he receives bounteous blessings. Again, it's kind of a principle of tithing. Like this whole chapter is tithing in lots of different ways. That, that principle of uh, giving back and then receiving uh, the hundredfold, the, the four times, etc. cetera. There's, there's just so much being um, uh, brought back here that, that is amazing. Um, but because of all of this, he didn't accept the um, uh, people wanted to make him king. People wanted to, to shower him with gifts, etc., and stuff. But he didn't want any of that. And then what he is blessed with is the the meeting with Melchizedek and and all of that. Uh, again, uh, don't seek for riches, but then lay up treasures in in heaven, kind of thing. It's that principle here. Um, I love what it says on page 136, that it was one of the most important meetings in history 
a world summit of two spiritual giants establishing the order of the kingdom of God. I, I think that that's just so huge. I mean, that's exactly what this is, that um, it really is one of the most important meetings. And um, it's kind of almost shrouded in mystery. We don't have the full story. We don't have all of the, the details, uh, different translations, and, and people have taken that out of the scriptures. Uh, and yet, um, that's where we find some of the, the meat or the most important parts is when people think that they have to, to change and tweak things and take things out. That's where you know the good stuff's at. Um, but here we have uh, the sacrament ordinance um, prior to Christ's uh, great and atoning sacrifice. Uh, the sacrament ordinance being blessed and break and, and uh, parted to, to Abraham here. Um, I think those are, are huge principles. What else did, did everybody learn from the, um, the meeting with Melchizedek and, and that whole story here? Well, I, I was thinking about the Joseph Smith translation where he adds that Melchizedek actually break bread and blessed it and he blessed the wine. And so it truly is the sacrament here. But how blessed we are to have Joseph Smith translation. Other people don't have that uh, part that that sentence right there is just it's very um, was actually very huge and what's going on here. And it reminds me of well, it talks about it at the top of 137 that it's um a foreshadowing of the future messianic messianic uh, banquet that will be held. Yeah, yeah, I think if, uh, if Abraham paid one lump sum of 10% of everything he had to Melchizedek all at one time, can you imagine the parade of stuff leaving his camp all at one time? I mean, Melchizedek would have had to have built another temple just to put it all in. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Another insight I didn't even think about. Yeah, but I mean, coming out of Egypt, he had a lot of stuff. I mean, and Abraham might have spent a whole week just making a tally of everything he had just so he could split it up and give 10 back. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's fun to <laughs> envision and think about. <laughs> and think of the people that that blessed, you know, that was given to people that needed it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Bless others. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, by doing so, Abraham was sanctifying the land of Zion, not only the land where he resided, but also Melchizedek Salem, um, that it was uh, a great benefit uh, to doing that. Uh, the Lord, um, the Lord can do any kind of miracle. He can build his own things and get his own funds and things but he lets us in on the process and by by paying tithing by fulfilling those laws and principles we're able to to do that as well and and how that plays into our lives um with the the great temple building that that we're doing in this day and age you know that's that's available because we we are, are true and faithful and pay tithing and and, and build up the lord's kingdom in that way we're able to bring those uh, blessings and ordinances closer to, to people that need it. Um, uh, just there's so much that comes out of the, the rich abundance. Uh, even the, the widow's two mites are, are counted as, as greater than, than all of the riches because it's given with an honest heart. Uh, as we give of what uh, our best 10% that we possibly can, then the, the Lord just multiplies the, the blessings back to us and to, to those around us as a result um but yeah here we, here we learn that with abraham he, he's just a great exemplar of of living that that law of tithing that sacrifice of of worldly goods for the the building up of zion and then you know once abraham paid his tithing what did he get from melchizedek what blessings did he then get because he was a full tithe payer yeah. right he he got the priesthood Melchizedek gave him the temple blessings right 
-hmm. Think about that. We follow that same pattern. We have to have, be full tithe payers in order to be able to have that wonderful little recommend that we have that lets us go into the temple and get those same blessings. It's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's just so routine for us that some, you know, sometimes we just kind of pass by it. Yeah, it's necessary to enter the temple, but but here we're, we're fulfilling a much larger pattern that's, that's passed down through the ages uh, of that, but yeah. And, and we don't really give it much heed, right? How much do we study the Old Testament as a church? <laughs> you know, once every four years, we kind of skip our way through in Sunday school, right? And, and so little it is given to Abraham as it is. Yeah. So exactly. anyway, I love this. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I love this part, uh, talking about uh, Salem the Great and Melchizedek the Great. Um, I, I've always grown up thinking that, that Salem was just the Jerusalem, prior to Jerusalem kind of thing, uh, especially because it contains Salem in there, but um, that it may as well have been up there by Shechem, um, which would, would make total sense in the symbolism and typography of, of that land that uh, in between the, uh, the the mount of blessings and the mount of cursings that uh, great abrahamic covenant there that this holy land was was taken up and and things it, it just makes so much sense to have it up there uh, again that, that speculation we don't know for sure but um i guess we'll find out when when it comes on back <laughs> um let's see so just kind of the, the last part here, talking about the uh, renaming of the priesthood to uh, the Melchizedek priesthood. I think that that's a, a huge point. We kind of talked about it in our last group. Uh, I fumbled over my words and didn't ask the question very well. But um, why do you think that um, the Lord often renames some of the uh, important parts of, of the gospel? Um, you know, the Melchizedek priesthood or the Aaronic priesthood or... Um, uh, things like that. Here it talks about um, the too frequent repetition uh, of uh, of his sacred name. Um, but you know, I, I find that I I tend to use his name quite often in my daily language and, and things. And I don't know. Should I be using it less or or <laughs> what? Do you find that the pattern is behind the renaming of the priesthoods kind of thing? You know, I, I'm not sure there, but I also wondered, I knew that I've always heard that it was so that we didn't use the Lord's name too frequently, but I, I've also wondered if that wasn't an honor for Melchizedek because of his being such a righteous individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just my thought, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I kind of grew up with that same kind of uh, thinking about how uh, we're, you know, labeled the, the Mormons kind of a thing. You know, it's just kind of an honor to, to Mormon, yet we know exactly that Christ is, is who we uh, revere and worship and things. Um, anyway, it, it's just an interesting dichotomy where we sometimes uh, place a, a different name on the... Uh, the things uh, of God or of Christ, of his church. Uh, I find that an interesting principle and I haven't fully wrapped my head around it yet, but um, I just go along with it with faith. <laughs> yeah. Cameron, oftentimes when, uh, when the name is changed, it is changed to either provide, um, uh, to provide a celestial uh, improvement or, or something to sanctify the individual or it is changed to the point where um, the audience hasn't really grasped it yet. They're not ready. So in the case of Melchizedek, uh, maybe the, the group wasn't ready to truly call it the the priesthood after the order of the son of the, of God, oh, uh, or, 
but you know they they do give the thing that it because they didn't want the the term overused mm -hmm. uh, they wanted to keep the the name of the lord sacred so melchizedek officiated in his priesthood in the lord's priesthood so theoretically i guess they're giving the credit second hand to the lord without calling him by name it may, may be more the respect of uh, keeping the the name of the the, the savior holy mm -hmm. uh, not using the lord's name in vain so to speak well yeah. melchizedek was also a type for christ mm -hmm. right so you know i think in our day and age if we called it the priesthood after the order of the son of god um number one that's really long and wordy and people <laughs> nowadays would really have an issue with that um, but there is so much taking of the name of the Lord in vain and profanely now that um, we need our society right now needed a different name. But the name Melchizedek, right? It means so many things. King of righteousness. That's what Christ was. Um, you know, Salem yeah. means peace, right? So he was the Prince of Peace. And don't we talk about Christ being the Prince of Peace? And so everything mm -hmm. about Melchizedek, and we only hear about him peripherally through Abraham, right? What an amazing man he must have been. We need a book on him, right? <laughs> but um, Melchizedek, everything he is points you to Christ. Everything he did was an example and a type of Christ. And mm -hmm. so um, it, it, it makes sense that he would have that honor because of the life that he led and the way he was. And, and we know how great Abraham was. And if Abraham thought that Melchizedek was all that in a bag of chips, think about how great he was, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you really think about it, it's not even the priesthood after the order of the son of God, it's the priesthood of God. So even using that name is helping us not to use the name of the father too much. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. I um, on have the Isaiah Institute bookmark or whatever with the like uh, rungs of Jacob's ladder kind of a thing and how he explains that each level um, that you ascend on that you receive a new name and kind of a thing. And even the priesthood uh, from kind of what I'm, I'm getting from different uh, discussion here that even the priesthood receives different names as we go along and, and move up the ladder kind of a thing because like you said it is god's priesthood and then a level below that it's the priesthood after the order of the son of god and then melchizedek being that kind of seraph um motif there and then uh, down a, another level and then we have levitical priesthood after that like we have these different levels uh, and the renaming of it as it and it goes down the line uh, based upon our righteousness what we can handle at the at the time very interesting I, I i love that we threw that that topic out there because i got some great insights for my study this week there's there's one thing cameron that uh i found and that i've thought about a lot is uh for quite a long time you know the church was called mormons and everybody in the world basically knew mormons Back in those days, uh, like everybody was saying, you know, they, they didn't want to use the name of God so much. But I'm thinking now with the, the correction to the name from President Nelson, I think it is our Savior wanting to be known mm -hmm. and wanting his to be out there more and more all the time. Yeah, for sure. So that we do recognize him when he returns again. And, and so that we can recognize ourselves as we recognize him when he returns again. I think it's going to be huge. We do know that a, a big group of even the very elect will be deceived and, and will not recognize Christ the second time he comes for idolatry and, and lots of the things that pop up. Yeah, so that renaming, the, the emphasis on names and uh, kind of the chiastic pattern of it they're going out and coming back with the levels of names that we associate ourselves with throughout time and anyway very interesting I, i'm grateful for everyone's comments there very insightful um 
So just kind of. I was just thinking Mormon probably would hate that uh, <laughs> we called our church Mormon because, you know, he's <laughs> his love for Christ and everything. He's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. Like, just so you're naming <laughs> yourself after me. Did you even read my book? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right, so just uh, quickly, we'll, we'll dive into the homework and then come back for any final thoughts on, on chapter six of Abraham. So homework for next week is, um, again, I should have got the link so that I could type them in chat, darn it. Um, but to, to study out the words and phrases, the scriptures around the context of the three Nephites and John the Beloved as they were granted their request for translation. Um, study out those those surrounding verses around those and, and study that that topic out um, what the preliminaries were what the requirements were and what was actually given them as, as choices and then the second part of the homework is to read two different things and this is more daunting if you don't have time that's that's fine but um, to read the King Follett sermon and lecture third from the lectures on faith um, those three different things will, will greatly enhance your um, reading this week of chapter seven. Chapter seven and eight are like my favorite chapters of this book. I, I love them so much. Um, but yeah, uh, having those two kind of homework assignments there, uh, studying those scriptures and then studying um, those two talks from Joseph Smith. Um, so yeah, diving back uh, for final testimony thoughts, things that we didn't cover in uh, chapter six that you wanted to talk about, final insights or anything? Well, I like the, the scripture that starts out the, the chapter there in uh, D&C 84, 33, 34. And it talks about uh, being sanctified by the spirit and unto the renewing of their bodies. And, and it goes on there on the last page of this chapter, it says that is the reason that Abraham and Sarah were able to um, have Isaac at such a late age is because of that sanctification and the renewing of their bodies. And that has made so much sense uh, when I read that, that, that just rings really true to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that part there. I, you know, that's, that's another great wish that I, I want in, in my life. You just look at the scriptures. Um, uh, this is quoting somewhat paraphrasing from John Pontius that we need to start looking at the scriptures as more, more of a, uh, not a history of, uh, God's relationship with people past, but a mail order catalog of blessings that we can receive in our life. That, yeah, oh, they received a renewing of their bodies. I want that too. So uh, let's see what I need. What's the what's the price? How do I receive that? And, and how much is shipping going to cost? All right. Yeah. Put that in my cart. I, I want that. All right. Well, if there's no other comments or questions or anything, we'll we'll kind of disband with that. I'm, I'm super excited for for the next two chapters. Not that all of these other ones haven't been good, but but seven and eight are my particular favorites. I, I love those. Um, okay, I'll I'll post these links for the homework assignments and things on the, the Learning Zion website, um, uh, as well as the information for the Isaiah um, semester upcoming from from now. Um, but yeah, uh, have a great week, everyone, and <laughs> good luck with the reading assignments. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron. Yep, we'll see you. <laughs>